So uh, this morning we're going we're gonna to start, and I'm going to talk about this for the next couple weeks until I feel like I've said enough. Um, this is for me um, one of as, as mo- what's the way to say it? One of the most felt topics I'm going to talk about, meaning like I just, this is like something that lives deep within me. Um, it's my soapbox. It's my whatever. Um, so I know in some Christian subculture, there is a, a message that goes something like this. If you just pray right and live right, it's going to happen. You're going to get it. Your best life now, abundance, blessing now. Figure out the right way to say it, claim it, name it, whatever. You're going to get it, and, and you should expect a path of blessing. And listen, if you are here today and that works for you, awesome. Like if your life has come together easy and things have gone easily for you and well for you and <clears throat> every, all of your hopes have been fulfilled and it just continues to get better and better and better and better, awesome, love it, good for you. Um, there's another group of us though um, who are a little more frustrated if we're honest. And, uh, and things haven't been easy and there's been difficulty and frustration and disappointment and loss and we wait and we hope and more than a few of you I hear, you know, where's, where, I just am not hearing from God, I don't get it, I don't understand where God is, I don't know what I've done wrong. Um, it's just a different kind of narrative that you try to wrestle through. And so I, I, I pose some of these questions, see if any of this resonates with you. I, I talked about this last week. Some of you, just deep ache, like an ache down deep. Um, will I ever recover from that mistake? Like I did that thing, and it was a mistake, and, and will I ever recover? Will God forgive me? Will, they for, will I ever recover from that? Will I ever hear from God? Will God ever speak to me? Will I ever get to the next level of success? Like maybe there's something you aspire to in some venue of life and you wonder, man, am I ever going to really get there? Um, will God ever do anything big through me? Maybe some of you are to the place where you just really hope that God can use you in some, in some pretty big ways and I uh, haven't seen that. And you wonder, is, is that ever going to happen for me? Will God ever use me? Will we ever have kids, or will my kids ever this or that, or, or whatever, like a kid-centric kind of disappointment um, for any number of reasons? Um, we can have serious angst over our kids. Will our marriage ever get better? Will my spouse ever change? Will we ever get ahead financially? Will I ever find joy? I remember one, joy was the end of that sentence. Um, I remember one Christian lady that I knew friends for a long, long time, uh, very spiritually minded, biblically sound, um, long church history said, you know, Alex, the Bible, Jesus says that we will have life and have it to the full. <clears throat> and I wonder when I'm going to, when am I going to find that? 
And there's a, there's a long list of maybe some of you are just like burdened with your job or guilt from feeling burdened from dealing with aging parents. Some of you have great relationship with your aging parents. Others of you not so much or kids or whatever. And, and there can just be these feelings of overwhelming disappointment or frustration if we're really honest. And, and one way to fight that, one way to fight that is to ignore it or to memorize like churchy mantras, like, well, everything happens for a reason, or, well, God's got a plan, or joy in the journey, or whatever it is, they're out there, these things that we memorize and go through, and it's like that's how we suppress the felt frustration of things that don't make sense, and sometimes we, we well, let me, let me read to you, um, our scripture text from today. Remember that these are book of Genesis, early Genesis, some of the most, um, um, some of the earliest passages in scripture, the primitive passages in scripture, yet they communicate to this tribe of Israelites who God is, what he's all about, what it means to be human. And so these stories have great value for us because they're some of the earliest understandings of what it's like to live here on this planet. And I find it fascinating that the themes that we deal with today have been right there in Scripture the whole time. So, we've been reading this one over the past few weeks. Uh, this, is, this is Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation. And I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. All the people of the world will be blessed through you. So Abraham went. And what we know from the way things were back then is that what God was really saying is, Abraham, go leave your country, your people, your father's household. That means go start a new tribe. You're going to start a new tribe, and it's going to be my tribe, God's tribe, and I'm going to bless the world through you. So Abraham, he goes and he starts this new tribe. Now, there's an unspoken promise there. Abraham is 75. Remember this. Abraham is 75 when this all goes down, and he doesn't have kids. He's 75. How is God going to start a tribe through him, passed down through kids, when he doesn't have any kids. So there's that weird thing out there, but Abraham goes anyway. Now, Abraham is 85 in Genesis 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, uh, afraid Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. In other words, Abraham's like, how are you going to do this through me when I don't have a kid to pass down anything? How can I have a legacy when it's going to be a servant that gets everything I have? Abraham said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky, count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And he said, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So Abraham is well aware, how can this happen? And God says, I'm going to give you a son. Now Abraham is 85. He was 75. 
And now it's been 10 years, and he's 80, it's been a decade, no movement toward this promise, and he's 85 now, and he still gets this promise, you will have a son. Now, this is where it gets interesting and relevant if you're like me, if you're impatient like me. And impatience isn't even the right word to use, because it's been over a decade. Eventually, now, now Sarah... Abram's wife had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she's got this servant girl, um, midwife named Hagar. She said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah took Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave to Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar. She conceived. When she knew that Hagar was pregnant, Sarah began to despise her mistress. So, a lot going on there. <clears throat> Basically, what happens is they get tired of waiting on God and they come up with a great plan to figure it out on their own. This is also the first instance in recorded history where a wife presents her husband with an impossible, like, unwinnable scenario. This is the world's first occurrence of do I look fat in these jeans? Be honest. Sarah comes to Abraham who is minding his own business. He's like watching the game. And she comes in and says, you know, for the good of the family, I've decided that you need to sleep with my servant girl. Now there is, not, Abraham's like, what do I do? He agrees, because he's trying to be a good husband. She ends up getting pregnant. Sarah is bitter because he did the thing she told him to do, and it is a mess for the rest of Scripture because of that. <clears throat> Ishmael was born, who presented this whole alternative thing to what God was trying to do. And it all went back to the day when Abraham and Sarah decided, we are done waiting, <clears throat> we're going to figure this out, on our own. We're going to insert ourselves and speed up the process. If you've walked with God for long, you know that, that that's a thing that we do, if we're honest. Back to scripture. Abraham is now 100 years old. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. Now I love that. You know what Isaac means? Giggles. They named him Giggles because it was so ridiculous. 
It was laughable. Now, now you can literally translate what, what Abraham says at the very idea when he's promised his son at 100. He says, God, my equipment's worn out. Like, there is no way that this can happen. And both of them laughed at the idea. And they named the kid Giggles. Because what God has done is so ridiculous here, but it was totally in his timing, 25 years. 25 years. They had to wait in silence, wondering what in the world, where is God? How is this going to work? 25. Five years. So one of the first things that we learn in Scripture, so important, so important, one of the first narratives that, go, that the Bible really goes into detail over is human beings feeling like they were promised something from God, wanting something from God, and having to wait forever for God to deliver. Yet that is so hard for us to deal with and we are so inclined to skip the waiting and do our own thing so that's what I want to do over the next couple weeks is talk through a bunch of implications that that concept has we call it on staff we call it birthing an Ishmael you birth an Ishmael when you decide that you want to, you have a great idea and you're going to force it through. It can be in any area of life. Birthing Ishmael's never go well. They're always us doing our thing that seems like this genius plan. And there are times when obviously it's just like, yeah, just do it. Like you don't need a lot of affirmation to do a good work, a good deed somewhere, to pray, to whatever. But then there are other ways, other things that we want to see happen in our finances. Um, could be a, a move, could be a career thing, uh, could be a, a new ministry idea if you're in ministry leadership or anything like that. Where, where a relationship, whatever, where we jump and we get tired of waiting on God and we do that thing and it's just always unadvisable. So <clears throat> I want to just kind of talk about some ways that, that we can apply this. Um, number one, what I'm desperate for everybody to know is that it's normal. It is normal to wonder where God is. It is normal for there to be something you're waiting on and God seems a million miles away and you wonder if God has even heard your first prayer, much less your hundredth prayer, and nothing's happening and there's no movement and you have every temptation in the world to just dive in and push something through. You're done waiting on God because it's been two weeks. When I was, um, like, my, my, I've always been, I don't want to say athletic, I been, I've been active my whole life, active, like I've tried at it. Um, baseball, basketball, backyard football growing up, golf, um, running, bike riding, what, I've been active. And um, now when I was in my 30s, I started to play for the world-renowned Polaris softball team. And I noticed, there was a couple years ago, a couple years ago I got some kind of, you know, running a base or going for an extra base or whatever. I, I pulled something in this region. 
It just kind of hurt all over in this region. And, and it just, like, I'm used to, you know, things would heal. Give me a few days. We're good. And, and this one just, it was like nagging. It didn't hurt bad enough. Of course, I'm not going to go to a doctor because I can still walk. But it just wouldn't heal. And I kept retweaking it every time, every Sunday when we'd play. And, and, it, and that, so I started to ask around, man, have you, ever, have you ever hurt like this area? Does it like take a long time? Just, it just isn't getting better. Normally, I'm a couple days and it's, they, most of the people said, well, how old are you? And I was like, 38? And they're like, yep, it's only going to get worse. Like that was the constant, yep, yep, I got that. It's only going to get worse. And, and then I took it to the, I wasn't ready to accept that, so I took it to the next level and uh, consulted the internet, the source of all good medical information. And, and what that continually said was like, yep, as you get older, you know, you start to hit your late 30s, you can't beat your body up and not pay the price anymore. Um, and, and then eventually when the softball season was over, after a few weeks of real rest, where I wasn't pushing it, it, it healed. Like they were right. And there was, it didn't take the pain away, but at least when I started to realize, okay, this is normal. This is normal. It made me feel a little bit better about the situation. So what I want you to see today, first thing in all this, because there's just so much frustration and, and desire to, to, to find God at work, but what I want you to see here is one of the oldest messages in the Bible is God makes his promises, God makes his plans, God is active, and yet it is much, much, much slower decades slower than what we feel like it has to be. And that's what Christians that I know and respect and are given the permission to be authentic say, and that's what the Bible says. Now let me talk about that for a minute. Um, You have permission here, not just on Sunday. You have permission here to say what you really think about your life, and about God. One of my most sentimental moments, um, my most sentimental moments are the moments when somebody comes from another church tradition and feels like they have to gloss over. Like, you know, how, how you doing? What's going on? And they'll list some things. Or, hey, I really need you to pray about this. And this and this, but you know what? God's gonna work this out, and 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 He's got a plan, and and I'm like, really? Because that sounds pretty bad to me. Like I would be pretty mad at God. And they're like, yeah. It's like that freedom. To, and I just want you to know, you have the freedom here to be frustrated with God. And I want you to know that in Scripture, since the very early on, like like it's normal to wonder where God is. It's normal to be frustrated, way more so than than ear to ear smile because everything is awesome. And I just I, I I want you to give yourself the permission to be frustrated and know that 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 is is normal. Now, second data point has to do with. In our effort 
to, so the problem on the table with, with um, um, Abraham and Sarah is they wanted a process to be over quick. They, they wanted to know where God was, what God was doing, and they wanted it to happen fast. And so they just kind of pushed it through. One of the things that we're going to have to deal with if we want to live life authentically here is that we are not going to understand what God is doing most of the time. Like we have this modern Western expectation for closure, for understanding what God is doing, and so we will just interpret it. And that, that's a nightmare. It's a nightmare to ourselves, it's a nightmare to others, because we'll do this for ourselves and then we'll do this to others when we try to interpret the circumstances. It's a nightmare. When somebody's going through a, 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 a trauma, a, a tragedy, and some well-meaning Christian goes to them and tries to delineate what God is doing, oh my gosh, I stand back in horror. It's some of the things that well-meaning Christians say in the line at the funeral home. Now here's what's happening is, is Christians are trying to be God there at that moment and bring healing. And they do their best, but it, it's just like, Oh, no. <clears throat> Why did God wait 25 years to fulfill his promise to Abraham? <clears throat> but you know, neither do I. It's a total mystery. That's the thing. It's a total mystery. Why does God do that? I don't know. It's a total mystery. So we have to embrace that mystery. We don't have to like it. Like, I'm not saying, well, it's a mystery. Uh, but embrace it. It's a mystery. Like the book of Job. The book of Job is trapped. Job loses everything. And his friends, his religious friends, come to him one by one. And they're like, well, Job, here's the clear... What's, uh, and the point of Job is they're all wrong. All the churchy slogans were wrong. They gave him bad advice. And then Job goes to God and Job starts complaining. God actually gives Job uh, the gift of, of, of walking him through it. And at the end of the day, Job's like, well, I don't, you're, I don't understand that. Like, that's the whole point of Job. We can't be God. We have no idea the things that God knows. It's out of our league. It's mystery, and we don't know. So what I see so often, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to give some examples here, and if this is, if this is you, I don't, I don't want to offend, you know, I, I know, just stop it. I'll hear at... I'll hear at the funeral home things like, well, you know what? God must just have wanted them with him more than he wanted them here. Or God wanted his special angel with him. Or, well, the man upstairs has a plan. And, and I, I, what we're trying to do there in many ways, we birth an Ishmael. We are trying to quickly solve something that God has a 10-year process to do in their life in the 20 seconds that we're standing before them in the funeral home line. And, and it, it, it's, it, it can be devastating. 
Because what we're doing is we're actually bringing something into existence in that person's life that, that maybe shouldn't be there because maybe it's way off. And really, you don't know, and I don't know why God allowed the thing or did the thing or failed to intervene for the thing. And in, in their life, in our life, whatever it is, we have to resist the urge to demand or, or jump in and insert ourselves in, in a, a level of thing that, that is beyond our understanding, that is total mystery. I want to close with one more thought. And then next week we're going to get right back into some what I think some very practical stuff that I've seen, that I've learned in my own life um, with this kind of thing like, you know, how can we know then when to move? How can we know when to take that job? How can we know when to say something? How, how do we know when to do the thing or when to just wait on God? We'll talk about that more and how to get this wrong more um, next week. But let me, let me close with this. This is from Philippians 4. Memorize it. I say it all the time. Be anxious about nothing but in everything through prayer and petition, that means requests, in thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, peace of God that doesn't even make sense, will guard your hearts and your minds. When we're not sure what to do, when we're waiting on God, when nothing makes sense, the one thing we can do definitely and not mess it up is to take our situation, the thing we're waiting on, the thing we don't understand before God and say, God, here it is. I am really frustrated with you right now. I really want this in my life. I have no idea where you are. I'm thankful that I'm here, that I'm breathing, that I'm talking with you, but I'm frustrated. God, your word promises me peace even though none of it makes sense. Peace beyond, peace that transcends understanding. We do that. Because we have that. That's what we're promised right there. Peace beyond understanding when we fully give something to God through prayer. And that's it. Like, like that's what we're promised. But I think what we'll find like, like here's, here's what I think. You guys can come on up. Um, <clears throat> what I think we're going to find someday when we stand before God and every mystery is solved, maybe, maybe mysteries, maybe there's still mystery. Maybe there are things that we don't know that we look into that whatever. But I think what we're going to find is that we realize at that moment when we stand there face to face with God that that's what it was all about anyway. Like, it wasn't about those things that we wanted, that we felt desperate for. It was really about interaction with God the whole time. At the, whole, at the beginning of the whole story, God comes to Abraham and says, I am your shield and your very great reward. God's like, in the midst of all this, I, I'm the reward. And I think what we'll find is it's the interaction with God that's all we ever needed anyway. Us and God, walking through the mystery together is all we really ever needed anyway. And through Jesus and friendship with Jesus, we can have that. Good life, bad life, tough life, easy life, friendship with Jesus 
is the reward of it all anyway, and we have that now while we wait on those other things. So during this last song, I want to invite you to stand and maybe get some ideas in your mind of the things that you probably already have, the things that you're frustrated, things that you're waiting on. And I want you to remember that one of the very first detailed stories in Scripture is God saying, you're on a 25-year timetable. Maybe you are, maybe you're not, but that's, that's the first detail is this guy that encountered God and was on a 25-year-old or 25-year-old long waiting list for promise fulfillment. Um, and then Scripture ends, ends with what can loosely be translated as the words, uh, hurry up, God. It's come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. So the whole thing is like this waiting thing, and here we are. And, and during this song, just that's the cry of the church throughout the ages is, is God, I want to connect with you while we wait. Come quickly, please. Let's pray. Father, we wait for you expectantly. We need you, we want you, we want to connect with you. Regardless of the timing, which is beyond our understanding, you are our reward. And so I want to pray that you would help us to appreciate you and understand somehow that you are our reward and our friendship with you is all we ever needed and we have it the whole time. In Jesus' name, amen.